many virtual care solution providers that we've interacted with here um, have expertise in software development, hardware component integration, and healthcare industry sales and marketing, right? They have all that expertise. But these programs, they, they require, they're more complex than that. They require deployment solutions at scale. They require the need to have prowess and mobile lifecycle management, you know, logistics, provisioning, and, and support for the patients when they get these solutions in hand. Welcome to the latest episode of Digital Insights Outlook. I'm Gina Daniel-Lee, Vice President, Strategic Alliances. We have a great episode for you today. Our topic for today focuses on healthcare and the significant changes that have taken place in the healthcare industry with the rapid rise in demand for home health and virtual care. And as we know, you know, the pandemic has created some real challenges with face-to-face care. In this episode, we want to explore how healthcare organizations are handling the shift and how they're leveraging technology to do so. And today I get to chat with my longtime friend and business associate, Dane McCracken. Dane is Samsung's Director of Healthcare, and I've personally had the pleasure of working with Dane for many years, but this year in particular, we've, we have worked together a lot in driving new opportunities in the healthcare space. And Dane is a wealth of knowledge in this space, so this episode is going to be really good. So let's jump right in. Dane, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Gina, for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you. Um, once again, and, uh, you know, I do lead the healthcare industry team for the business-to-business mobile division at Samsung Electronics. I've been with Samsung for six years in various vertical leadership roles, and I'm, I'm very honored to be serving in an industry that is playing such a vital role in combating the pandemic our world is contending with today. So I also know, Dane, that you have two teenagers at home that are avid band, high school band participants. Tell us how that's been going with everybody home during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, it's been uh, it's been quite unusual. You know, so many different things that we are traditionally used to doing this time of year. I have a senior and a and a sophomore both in the band, and every weekend been spent, you know, traditionally out uh, competitions and and seeing Friday night lights and football games and. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, we we got a we got a few in. The good news is we got a few in, but uh, didn't get to uh, enjoy the season the way that we would have liked. And so, you know, we'll look forward to next year. But yeah, it's uh, it's been quite uh, quite some some differences in terms of our our home experiences on the weekends here. Well, at least you've gotten a little bit of it, even though scaled back. You know, I feel like every time I turn on the TV, read the newspaper, or search the internet, you know, we see that there's a surge in the number of telehealth sessions and that providers are now conducting something like 50 to 175 times the number of telehealth visits that they did before the pandemic. I mean, that that yeah. number just seems crazy high. Does that is that consistent with what your you and Samsung are experiencing? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, you know, a lot of times when you see these kind of statistics, you know, it just blows our mind, right? But it really is consistent with what we've observed in our customers at the start of this pandemic. Really, if you look back into like the March to June timeframe, we were talking to hospitals and home care, the numbers of, of, of telehealth, it was, it was soaring. And while we started to see this spike, you know, in the visits in the July timeframe start to level out a little bit, uh, we are hearing they're increasing again, 
um, as patients continue to take precautions in this sort of pre-vaccine environment that we're in right now. And I know, you know, you've spent a good amount of time in your career developing use cases for technology and healthcare. But, you know, I would imagine that there are some new use cases that have really emerged, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic this year. And are there any, you know, existing use cases that are growing in demand due to the pandemic? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question. And we are, you know, seeing for many years, we've seen virtual care, if you will, leveraged for store and forward services. Many of us didn't really perceive that as a virtual care offering. That's, that's where you have things like radiology and you'd go in and have an x-ray and you could have somebody review your x-ray remotely. They didn't actually have to be right with you when you, right. you did that service. And so, you know, those, those patient x-rays could be analyzed and diagnosed, provided by a remote practitioner. Um, you know, remote patient monitoring has been growing for patients with diabetes, CPOD, or cancer. Um, in addition, real-time services for providers to conduct a telehealth visit, which we're seeing a lot of right now with patients, has been available, but perhaps not as popular um, in, in years past. So post the pandemic, we've seen a tremendous increase in demand and adoption across these top virtual care use cases. For example, Medicare funding has increased you know, dramatically for remote patient monitoring solutions, driving significant growth and adoption of these solutions. Providers are seeing more visits over telehealth platforms like Teladoc or DocsyMe. Uh, finally, you, you can see that the payers are looking to start implementing population health solutions um, that will keep high-risk patients out of the ER and keep healthy patients healthy. So what we're seeing is that that transition of now that folks, you know, the patients are more receptive, um, which was driven out of the pandemic, you're starting to see solutions that have sort of been on the horizon and slow emergence significant emergence and the, and and all the opportunity that it that it plays for our three P's you know our our providers our payers and our patients it's ultimately starting to show a real win-win so lots of new but um, also some stuff that has been there a while that's just really seen this as a catalyst for growth that's really interesting and I want to go back to something that you touched on um, with regards to remote patient monitoring. I'm really curious, mm -hmm. you know, can you can you share with us, you know, a few more details about the types of rem remote monitoring that you're seeing grow today? Sure. So, yeah, sure. So we we typically see remote patient monitoring solutions used for chronic patient conditions like diabetes or heart disease. Um, COPD or, or cancer. Um, so, for example, diabetes patients can leverage a mobile smartphone integrated with an insulin pump and a, you know, CGM product to monitor and maintain their blood glucose levels. Um, patients with heart conditions can leverage a mobile device connected via Bluetooth to a pacemaker to monitor and capture relevant data to share with their providers for care. Uh, we also see it used for post-surgical recovery situations as well. Um, when you send a patient home, you want to avoid ER readmissions. Um, and reliable remote patient monitoring reduces readmissions and improves the compliance and streamlines overall the reimbursement uh, for these services. And so um, lots of different ways that it's being used today, and uh, we're very excited about the potential for continued solutions to evolve for different types of, uh, of chronic illnesses. 
Would you say that re remote monitoring improves or hinders the quality of care though? So we know that remote patient monitoring allows patients uh, to interact with care providers on a daily basis. And it removes dailies, uh, delays, if, if you will, in the overall time to care for patients. Uh, we also know that it enables patients to remote location that are you know, located remotely uh, to gain access to more specialized care than they might otherwise have had access to. That's something that's really compelling that is, is quite exciting, right? I mean, folks yeah. who may have been, you know, an hour or two hours or sometimes even further than that away from a, a qualified uh, you know, practitioner to service uh, that illness can now get, um, you know, can, can be seen and, and uh, provide that to, to these patients. So um, J.D. Power 2020 U.S. Telehealth Satisfaction Study basically released in October, just a few months ago, found that overall customer satisfaction was around 86%. So it's, it is really, really high, which is the highest of all healthcare service industry studies. That is so, high. Well, it's, it's really, really high, and we're seeing a lot of satisfaction there. So we anticipate, we anticipate the patient satisfaction with remote patient monitoring solutions will continue to grow in the future. We really think that this is not uh, just a fad due to the pandemic, but something that you know, patients are really finding uh, intriguing and a lot of value in. So you think it's something that will continue even after the pandemic um, at somewhat of the same rate? Yeah, so we, we do. Uh, I think it will continue. I mean, we may see some fluctuations in this as new technologies emerge um, in terms of overall patient feedback. But yeah, we, we fully expect that, um, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to stay very positive. So as you know, you know, one of Stratic's strengths has always been our ability to quickly help our customers scale. But during the pandemic, this obviously has grown exponentially. Um, as yeah. automation and remote patient monitoring use cases expand and grow, how can organizations make this scalable and handle the growing complexity around this? Yeah, so, you know, it's a great question, Gina, because many virtual care solution providers that we've interacted with here um, have expertise in software development, hardware component integration, and healthcare industry sales and marketing, right? They have all that expertise. But these programs, they, they require, they're more complex than that. They require deployment solutions at scale. They require the need to have prowess and mobile lifecycle management, you know, logistics, provisioning. And, and support for the patients when they get these solutions in hand. It's best for these companies to consider partnering with a company like Stratix to provide solution lifecycle management because we know that failing to provide a quality experience for patients significantly impacts that satisfaction you talked about earlier, but also the overall adoption of these solutions once the patient receives it. So, you know, it's, it's really critical that um, organizations who are looking to provide these programs understand that they're, they, they may seem very easy on the outside, but when you get down to the execution of it, um, there's a lot of complexity. I appreciate that Stratix commercial in your, uh, your answer to the mm -hmm. question there. Um, you know, oftentimes when, when organizations think about the need to transform their business, there's also this 
um, quandary or this this concern that oh my gosh I've also got to invest right there's there's money yeah. that's got to be spent to transform my business and and how how do you think that organizations can manage these competing priorities of transformation versus lowering cost or lessening yeah, the that- amount that has to be spent or invested in. Yeah, and when we're talking virtual care organizations, the balance isn't focusing on what you do well and identifying reliable partners to complement your delivery and service to end customers. If you want to have a successful deployment and growth, you've got to really keep that in mind. And trying to do it all can be more expensive in the long term, and it ties, ties up your resources who could be innovating new differentiated solutions for your organization. Uh, if you look at you know one particular uh, virtual care provider that we work with today, you know they currently support 15 integrations with accessories um, to to Samsung Mobility Solutions. And you know what's interesting is if they want to continue to grow that and continue to expand uh, the things that they can support remotely with their solution, they need to make sure that um, you know that they're focusing their resources on that innovation and that creativity and those new solutions and not on some of the back office activities. So we see customers um, underestimate the complexity of, of mobile device lifecycle programs regularly. Um, and it's unquestionably limiting their growth. So you know, my encouragement would just be, yes, it's difficult to, to find that balance between transformation and lowering costs, but my encouragement would be, when you focus on transformation and creativity and innovation, you're gonna drive that lower cost longer term. I completely agree with that assessment. Um, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball a little bit for me. And um, how do you (laughs) see digital transformation among virtual care organizations evolving even after this year into years to come? Yeah, it's funny because if you'd asked me last year, this exact time, right, uh, first week of December. So Dave, look into your crystal ball in in healthcare and tell me kind of where things going to be. I would have been way off. Um, <laughs> <because obviously laughs> you need a new crystal you know, ball. That's right. The pandemic uh, certainly introduced some things that um, I think were very positive for us in this industry. I think when we look at the healthcare industry, um, there, there's some, some really, really impressive um, things that are on the horizon over the next few years. So I anticipate we'll see them grow. The scope of monitoring capabilities, I talked about that one where they had 15 accessories. I think that's going to continue to grow. Um, Technology is going to continue to evolve and how um, different conditions can be um, identified. And so those solutions will grow with that. And the overall adoption of these solutions over the next several years, now that folks have seen the technology, they've used the technology, they see the benefits to them as patients for the technology, the providers are seeing the benefits of being able to engage more often with their patients, um, gather better information from the patients. The payers are seeing the opportunity to reduce cost um, by providing solutions. I think we're going to continue to see that grow. Uh, patients will continue to drive these expectations, and I look forward to seeing and playing a part in uh, what this evolution looks like over the next several years. Out of all the changes that this year has brought, and oh my gosh, there have been so many, um, what's been the most surprising to you? You know, I think the biggest surprise um, of this year has been how quickly providers enable technology. Ah. Uh, to maintain continuity of care for patients all around the world. You know, these, these organizations were prepared to provide that technology 
quickly. And, you know, while some of it had been implemented, you know, these are the same organizations that had to provide patients with care for the pandemic. And, and they continue to not only do that, but they continue to provide it outside to patients as well who had other illnesses, um, you know, chronic illnesses that weren't related to the pandemic. So it's been a major adjustment. And while they had to attend to the needs of care facilities, they have also had to work tirelessly to bring solutions of remote patients as well, to remote patients as well. So we should thank all the providers um, on the front lines of the pandemic. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think that there's the silent folks behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, working very hard to bring about this technology for remote patient care that in telehealth solution offerings and implement those in a way that is not easy in this industry. You know, this is a regulated industry where security and patient information has to be secure. Um, and so all of the things they had to contend with, I think that there's been a fantastic um, amount of work and results that they've delivered. And so, so to me, I think that's the biggest surprise of the year is, is how these, these folks um, you know, made that happen. And that's a great point to end on. So at the end of um, our podcast, I like to kind of end with a little fun and some rapid fire questions if you're game. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll try to go easy on you. Um, okay. So my first question is, what genre of music are you into? And is there a song or playlist that you have on repeat? Wow. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of music. So that's a tough one for me. I would say, you know, um, right now at this time, I have I started playing my holiday playlist already. And, you know, I don't normally start this early in the season, but I'll tell you this year with 2020, for some reason, it just felt like it made sense to start some of that holiday music early. So, so that's kind of where I'm at on the, uh, on the playlist side right now. I I think you're in the boat with a lot of people with that. I know we started (laughs) earlier in my house too. I'm usually a stickler for not until after Thanksgiving. So, so speaking of the holidays, they're upon us. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, so I'm going to take some time uh, this this year to just really, uh, you know, try to refresh and recharge for 2021. I think there was a lot of unexpected events this year as a whole. Um, you know, time with family is always something that I try to do this time of year. But um, yeah, I think this this year in particular, I'm going to just try to take some time to recharge and maybe uh, see if I can, you know, get out and, and read a book that um, I, I don't get the chance to do very often. So. So that's, that's kind of where I plan to spend my time here. Nice. And uh, I know that many of us have had more downtime maybe than we have before. Have you picked up any new hobbies or any new interests? Well, you know, I, am, I am kind of a Texan in this, and I, I, I do like to go out and use the grill on occasion. But, uh, you know, I just haven't had a lot of time this year to do that. So I think now that I'm going to have some downtime, I, I'm hoping to, to uh, get outside and do some of those things that I, I like to do and enjoy the grill outside. So um, that's that's kind of my plan to, to get out there and do some things with that extra time. Very good. Very good. Dane, thank you so much for joining us today. Great conversation. I oh. knew it would be. I appreciate you participating. Thank you so much for having me and uh, really looking forward to continuing to have a, a great relationship with Stratix and moving forward, um, having a really great 2021 together.
completely agree. And listeners, I want to thank you as well. If you liked what you heard and would like more information or would like to sign up for a future episode, please visit us at straticscorp.com slash DIO to subscribe. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to be among the first to enjoy new episodes. Until next time, keep looking ahead.